0: Hello curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun and formal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite, designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think.
1: Once upon a time, I was a little girl, 19... 70, and I went to a birthday party, a neighborhood birthday party, and one of the moms was asking all of us, all of us were girls, what fairy tales we liked, and all the little girls were saying, in my recollection anyway, all the little girls were saying Cinderella and Snow White and uh, Sleeping Beauty, and when it came to me, I said Pinocchio and The Jungle Book, so I remember those two were like two of my favorites. And she said, and it wasn't a mean thing and it wasn't a negative thing, but I remember her saying, oh, you like boyish fairy tales. And I thought, I just completely recharacterized how I perceive fairy tales at that moment. And I then remember maybe I should pretend to like the prince rescuing the princess and the beauty. And I, I just, I remember feeling like that was a bit of information that I did not know. And that leads me to the Curiosity Bite. Are you ready? Yes. What fairy tale offers the best life lesson?
0: Well, I have a few that I would think offer good life lessons, but I have to start by saying the one I hate the most.
1: Which one do you hate? Just
0: because I'm a negative belly. Huh?
1: Which one do you hate the most?
0: I hate... Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, because I cannot believe that story with this nice family up in their house, and this boy comes to their house, and they're nice to him. They feed him, they take care of him. They're nice to him, and then he goes and steals their their stuff. Comes back down, and they're mad. They chase him, chase him away, and then he goes back up and steals again, and then chops down the tree and kills the the big giant and it's a horrible story what kind of lesson do you learn from some kid who feels like he's entitled to go steal from these people yeah that's because why they're big Mm,
1: that's the first sizest fairy tale sizest
0: yes so, so that's, that's, I have to, you know, I had to vent for that one, but I would say as far as life lessons from a fairy tale, I've got a few top, top ones, but I would say probably the best one is Little Red Riding Hood for me, because I would say you need to invest in good eye care from Little Red Riding Hood. If you're looking at Granny. And you don't see that granny's in a wolf. That means you need to go to the optometrist and get some good glasses. And since I have such a bad, I have such bad vision and I went for a time that I was supposed to go in and take care of my eye, but I kept putting it off. Mm. I've learned, yes, I've learned from Little Red Riding Hood that you should invest in good eye care.
1: I think that is a great life lesson. And I would venture to guess that there is not a single article or blog post that focuses on that particular life lesson from Little Red Riding Hood, and yet it should. Yeah,
0: agreed. There's other good ones too. But what was your? What do you think? What best fairy tale do you have that gave you the best life lesson?
1: And I'm not sure. I I suspect that this might not qualify as a traditional fairy tale because it's a legend, a fairy tale within a legend. So there's Uncle Remus. And then Uncle Remus telling the fairy tale story of the, the rabbit, the briar rabbit, and the life lesson that I recall is, "Don't throw me in that briar patch." And it's kind of a psychological lesson, like you can fool people into doing your bidding if you're wise and smart. And I think that's the was the probably the seed that sent me on my path and love of psychology. Thank you. Uncle Remus. That's what Uncle Remus said. That's what Uncle Remus said. And I I, imagine that there's some controversy around how Uncle Remus is perceived, but he was revered in our family. Do you remember having that big album and you would open up the cover of the album and there was pages and then you would put the, the record and read along? So we had Uncle Remus, we had Pinocchio. Do you recall any others? No,
0: but I do do remember that Uncle Remus big album with the story inside and you could follow along with it. I loved that.
1: I also remember that after that birthday party incident where the mother suggested that I liked boyish fairy tales, and I, I, I didn't, wasn't someone who wanted to be a boy. Like, I knew I couldn't go with Peter Pan to the land of lost boys. I loved the story of Peter Pan. But I remember then thinking, okay, fairy tales aren't for me. And then I became obsessed with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is not a fairy tale. It's just a movie story and Parent Trap, both of which had adventure, but more importantly, invention. Like I wanted to have an invention laboratory in, you know, somewhere where I could go through some secret hatch. And I never really engaged with fairy tales in quite the same way after that characterization of these are for boys. And she wasn't being mean, but I remember that. How about you? Do you rem- What was your favorite fairy tale growing up? Your
0: favorite? You know, I think that I'm similar to you. and And there's like we've talked about, there's a gap. There's a big gap between your childhood and mine, which five years doesn't seem like much, but it was, I guess, at the time. And I don't remember really being into fairy tales. I mean, Disney wasn't like it is now. You didn't have the Disney Channel or anything like that. But I loved, like, I loved Fred Flintstone. (laughs) I loved the Flintstones, which is not a fairy tale. It was a show kind of like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But I really wasn't into, I never, I guess because maybe our parents didn't really get into it For us, but I never really, I mean, I love Snow White because as an actress, I played the evil queen three times, so I love Snow White.
1: And that's the oldest feature-length film. Guess when that came out? Guess when it made its debut at the Carthay Circle Theater?
0: I knew this answer one time. I think it was in the late 50s, early 60s. Am I right? 1937. Oh! I'm way off. And
1: there was the wonderful world of Disney, which I think came on after Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom or something like that. And they have, but they, that's when you would every Sunday. And we would have hot dog sandwiches. Remember, dad would boil the hot dogs, he would slice them the long way, put them on, put ketchup on a white bread, and then give us those hot dog sandwiches. But we were only allowed that when we were either A, watching the monkeys, which is probably when I was tiny, tiny, B, watching Mutual Omaha, or C, watching The Wonderful World of Disney. But I don't, you're right, I don't think it was mostly uh, fairy tales.
0: Yeah, no, I think The Wonderful World of Disney had more like uh, like Jeff Bridges type shows and like the dogs, the crazy dogs and stuff. It didn't have the princess stories. Right,
1: or even fairy tale stories. And that's the distinction between fairy tales. And I have a question for you with regard to fairy tales. We grew up with the myths of Paul Bunyan we even learned some native american legends we had some books on i remember we had a book cuz mom later was the librarian the children's librarian so she had things like books on african legends and myths and not much on greek mythology like our kids but that's probably because of magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons and 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 the
0: hobbit and stuff like that oh i remember i remember remember watching the hobbit oh that was that was the bet. I remember just being so enthralled with that show. A show? I don't. Movie, know. movie, movie. movie. Oh, yeah. I watched the movie. I, I don't think I ever read the book. Maybe I did. So, or somebody read the book to me. But I remember seeing that full length cartoon of the Hobbit taking off and going into the mountains and fighting that dragon. I mean, I loved the
1: Hobbit. I don't think I ever saw the cartoon of the Hobbit. But my question to you has to do with the difference between myths and legends and fairy tales even as a little kid and it's hard because you know we're remembering from adult to childhood so we're kind of making it up a little bit but do you recall ever believing that the fairy tales were true in the same way that you might potentially believe that or even think about for example Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or even some of the more legends and myths like like uh, Paul Bunyan or Johnny Appleseed do you remember thinking that fairy tales were at all ever true? Like even like Easter Bunny or something like that or Tooth Fairy?
0: No, I, I never believed that any fairy tales were true, but I did believe in Paul Bunyan. What's the guy in, was he at Oni's? Was that Paul Bunyan?
1: Yeah, that was Paul Bunyan. And then yeah. Johnny Appleseed and Daniel Boone was a man. He was a big man.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I do remember. Yeah, I believed in Johnny Appleseed Not fully, but yeah, I believe that there was some truth to to those stories, and I think isn't that the difference? There's because Ginger and Sunny both listen to the podcast "Myths and Legends," oh, and that's a fabulous podcast. But it had and they talk about the difference between myths, legends, and fairy tales. That one has full truth, one has a semblance of truth, and one's just completely fantasy.
1: And I think that's one of the beauties of fairy tales because we're never told believe Snow White happened. We're never told believe Pinocchio happened in the way that we would be told that to believe a scriptural story or even a an American legend story like Johnny Appleseed or even Paul Bunyan. We wouldn't you know maybe we would believe in Paul Bunyan, but I don't think it was ever given to us like a Santa Claus or a tooth fairy type of thing. We knew these were fairy folk tales, tales.
0: Johnny Appleseed and um Paul Bunyan those were folk tales,
1: but not fairy tales and fairy tales don't need to have. You know, when you research the history of fairy tales, it's and you kind of go deep into the academia, there's not a lot of agreement, except for the fact that they are very, very ancient. They tend to take on the color of their location. And a lot of them are rooted in making a story that might have started in an Asian country or an African country into a European story. And I also have another question. Do you think it's easier to think that the world was more magic a long time ago? And that's what allows us to believe maybe scriptural stories in a way that if the same thing happened today, we would think that whoever was claiming that was insane. Do you think that just, we think that there was more magic back then?
0: I think we might be more comfortable with thinking that magic happened because i don't think that we had we relied so much on science back then to disprove all of these things that happened and we chalked it up to magic
1: you know how old some of these fairy tales are there was some analysis done i think it was based so the brothers grim belief that european fairy tales derived from the cultural history shared by all indo-european peoples and were ancient and far older than written records there was research done this anthropologist and this folklorist and they used phylogenetic analysis which traces the relatedness of living and fossil species and they analyzed jack and the beanstalk your favorite and that supposedly according to their research traced to the time of splitting of eastern and western indo-european over 5,000 years ago and they dated beauty and the beast and rumpelstiltskin to having been created over 4,000 years ago. And have you heard of the Smith and the Devil or the, devil with the deal with the devil? I haven't heard of that. Not specifically, no. And they dated that to the Bronze Age. And they think that there may be some fairy tales like the Swan Maiden that could go back to the Upper Paleolithic Age, which was between 12,000 and 50,000 years ago. So this idea of fairy tales is so interesting. I wonder when you think about the life lessons, kind of the curiosity by how much the same stories highlight the same different life lessons. Like for you, I think yours is a very modern life lesson from Little Red Riding Hood, which is if you are seeing things that you shouldn't be seeing, get your eyes checked. But maybe the later life lesson is if you're seeing things that you should be seeing, check the evidence. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a good life lesson. I mean, you can always extract some kind of life lesson, so do
1: it! There's a whole bunch of negative lessons, like a lot of anti-Semitism in some of these fairy tales, and three main ones that were really becoming popular before the rise of Nazism, the Jew among thorns, Then there is uh, the girl who was killed by Jews, Das von den Newton. I mean, it's like, oh, my God. But all of them have a similar theme, which is Jews around money and
0: swindling people and taking advantage of half people. I'm just shocked that there were stories like that. I I can't believe it.
1: (laughs) And Rumpelstorpe and the original stories, when you look at the Grimm's fairy tales, and we've talked about how mom used to try to find the uh, more of the, of the original ones that were really like violent and in, culturally insensitive to tell us show remember she, when she was a librarian and she would try to find that because Rumpelstiltskin in the original was tore himself into two ripping his body apart and rapunzel's dalliance was discovered when her belly started to swell mm-hmm. Sanitize? Do, do you think we should sanitize fairy tales for our kids
0: Maybe we should just make up new fairy tales. I mean, it, at some point from the paleo times to Brothers Grimm, they change things around. So take some of the those stories, turn them around and make better stories.
1: So maybe it's just a matter of how you define the word sanitize. Because maybe yeah. so maybe the message isn't a racist message and maybe it is... A more appropriate message for today. And some people could characterize that as sanitizing. But if you're really looking at it, then you would have to go back to the to your point, to the six thousand years. If you're not going to sanitize it, you'd have to make it relatable to something that is completely unrelatable. So maybe the sanitization isn't really like censoring as much as it is making it relevant for modern times, just like the difference between that's a really that's a really good characterization. And I have to admit, one that I had not quite thought of. Hansel and Gretel, all of the ones that I loved, I think had to do with adventure and not so much about love, even though love is a very important message.
0: Yeah. I I mean, Hansel and Gretel, what a great story. Again, very morbid, very sad. The parents just left their kids out in the forest, abandoned them in the forest to be taken care of by the elements. It's a horrible, horrible story <laughs> that we read to our kids. So, and that wasn't sanitized at all. I mean, it probably was from the original story, but yeah, I, it's it's amazing we, Ginger, when she was doing ballet, we did Hansel and Gretel the, the ballet and it's a terrible, horrible story. These parents should have been punished. So you
1: could say that it's the story of self-sufficiency and grit, but it's also the story of?
0: Abandonment
1: it's the story of abandonment. Absolutely. And it's also the story of outmaneuvering someone, but it's also the story of like potentially stealing from that witch.
0: I was just going to say that it's also a story of these kids who, I mean, you had to understand that they were in need and they were, but they were stealing from that witch. Why would that witch not get
1: bad at them? Absolutely. And and witches do what witches do, at least in fairy tales. No offense to the witches, witch friends and w- Wiccan friends among our podcast listeners, but in the fairy tales, witches did what witches did, which was they have to they, they're not going to eat the kids raw. They have to shove them in the oven and cook them. And you're picking off candy and cookies from my house. You know, that's- yeah, I, might,
0: I might do the same. It's called self-defense, people.
1: In the mid-17th century, there was this vogue for magical tales told in these salons among intellectuals in Paris. They were called the Salons of Paris. So in the 1630s, these fancy schmancy aristocratic women began to gather in their living rooms and in little parlors to discuss the topics like arts and letters, politics and social matters, because, you know, like marriage and love and financial and physical independence, but because they did not have access to formal indica- uh, education, they were actually banned. And some of the most gifted writers of that period came out of these salons. But what they did was they would tell or retell, to your point, not sanitize a story, your characterization is a, really a good way to think about it, tell or retell an old tale Spinning clever new stories that not only showcased their verbal agility and imagination, but it also slyly commented on the conditions of their aristocratic life. And it was, uh, there was an emphasis, almost like a poetry slam today, placed on how it was delivered, like the mode and what seemed natural and spontaneous. So it was like early women, fancy women doing their version of. What today would be called rap like rhyme and rhyme and poetry rhythm and poetry rather and the decorative language of the fairy tale served an important function which was disguising rebellious subtext of stories and sliding them past the court
0: censors it's kind of like playing dreidel because you weren't supposed to study the torah or anything and so you played the dra you played the game so that they wouldn't be found out that they were actually praying.
1: I think you need to elaborate, because I don't think I know this. Back in the day,
0: (laughs) I'm such a scholar.
1: Once upon a time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, of course, the Jews were persecuted, and they were not allowed to pray or do anything or study text or study Torah. And so in order for them to continue to do that, they created this game, the dreidel, the nun. The shin, the hay, the vuv stood. It said for a great miracle happened here. Nun gemel hay shin. Put, spend the dreidel and try to win. But that was based on being able to. They use that. Oh, I don't. So that, that they could that. study. That was how they were able to study and tell a story without being found out. And it's the same with the women. The women had to pretend that they were just tittering and having a little fairy tale which is interesting going forward to what your your experience was with this lady saying there were girl fairy tales and boy fairy tales, probably based on that, where women had to change it to make it sound like they were not discussing politics and literature and all the things by telling these stories. So interesting. That's very interesting.
1: That is something I learned about Judaism, about the dreidel. I just thought that it was, I don't know, just kind of a lame game. <laughs>
0: Hey, you could do it with M&M's or Jujubes or, or what you would like, those uh, spicy. Hot kids. Or, but you also like the. Hot tamales. Hot tamales. Hot tamales.
1: The next curiosity bite is going to say, what candy would tell someone the most about you?
0: Something <laughs> really deep and profound like that. So yours would be. Hot tamale and sour patch kit. I mean, is that perfect for you or what? Yeah, hey, you're,
1: <laughs> you're, you're, you're lubing us up for the next curiosity bite.
0: <laughs> okay, you ready for my list? I'm excited for this one.
1: Yes, I can't wait, especially with fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, so you have to guess. I'm going to say a condition or uh, uh, something. I'm going to say a word, and you're going to have to guess what that word has to do with whatever fairy tale it, it is connected to. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: I'll try. I think I got it. it.
0: Okay. I'm just going to throw the word out. You have to guess, and then I can help you. I can help you a little bit. So the first word is hypertrichosis.
1: Hypertrichosis. All right. I think it has to do, I'm going to say Peter Pan, because (laughs) Tinkerbell is like so hyper, and she, (laughs) a lot of cosy on paper <laughs> which is the glitter am i right
0: uh, no <laughs> but i like that guess Hypertrichosis is a genetic mutation it gives it, it hyper meaning overproduced or overdone trichosis is hair trich 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 tr- 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 something is hair oh it's so
1: rapunzel it's-, it's rapunzel
0: you get a <laughs> oh i didn't even think of that rapunzel with her hair growing
1: yeah, that's it's not rapunzel
0: No, it's more like hair all over your body. So I was thinking like, they actually call it werewolf syndrome, which isn't very nice. That Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood or even Beauty and the Beast. This is a medical condition that even is... To, to this day people suffer from and it start uh, the first one was reported back in the 1600s in the canary islands uh, the man and his two daughters both suffered all suffered from hypertrichosis but i think you might have heard in the 19th century there was someone they called the jojo the dog face boy oh i
1: just thought he was someone that was a menopausal woman that was trying to play her herself off as a as a boy a dog face boy cuz i think Trichosis, hypertrichosis is a menopausal
0: syndrome. <laughs> a little bit. And, and, where, and I think also where you get the bearded ladies in the circus, they probably suffered from hypertrichosis as well.
1: Or enjoyed it, depending on their perspective.
0: Might as well make the best of what you can. Right. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Epidermid dysplasia vira, viracuformis. Okay,
1: I had it all figured out before the varicuformis. So epidural dysplasia. So Epidermode
0: dysplasia.
1: Epidermode.
0: Dysplasia.
1: Right. This has to do with the little mermaid. Why? (laughs) Because didn't she have scales instead of skin?
0: Ooh. And what makes you think about scales?
1: it's either epididymis, which would have something to do with some prince's balls, or it's epidermis, which has to do with skin. So that's why. What about the variciformis? That is like varicose veins. And I'm assuming that once she moved from the ocean, where she could move and then she had to walk a lot on the land with her flipper, I don't even know much about little mermaid. clearly, <laughs> had varicose veins. So I think I'm right. Okay,
0: well, I going to tell you that you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Epidermosplasia varicuformis is a rare genetic skin disorder that you're at risk for skin carcinoma. It's an immune deficiency that gives you wart-like things all over your body that can leave people highly susceptible to various types of human papilloma virus that causes like these tough bark-like warts all over your body.
1: I read a story about a guy in India who had that, and he literally turned into a tree and he kept having it removed. It was so disfiguring and it kept growing back. But yeah, his name was D.D. Kaswara. I remember reading about that. What fairy tale is this?
0: Well, him, him turning into wood because as it gets really, really bad, it can get like gnarly and look like you're turning into wood. So who was a wood boy? wooden boy
1: (laughs) you've led me right down to my favorite Pinocchio but he wasn't barky he was very smooth he was smooth
0: after Geppetto you know sanded him up but I the original I believe the original story of Pinocchio was that Pinocchio didn't his nose just didn't grow but he started turning back into wood after he was a boy
1: Into a tree
0: and back into a tree
1: yes oh okay that's interesting
0: Mm-hmm. The next one is Listeria monocytogeneticis.
1: Listeria monocytogeneticis. One cell genesis changing. Listeria. I'm going to call it Wisteria because it sounds like <laughs> Listeria. And we're making a list. <laughs> need a list. What did... St- I'm going to say... St- Snow White made a list. Didn't she make a list of what the dwarfs had to do?
0: I don't <laughs> I don't know about that. But you actually are right with the Snow White guess. Uh,
1: so, so here's, okay, here's a perfect example of your logic may not follow the outcome. And sometimes you just get lucky.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why you can't leave a, an answer on your Scantron blank. You just got to give it a shot because you were right, but not for the right reasons. Listeria monocyti- monocytogenes is a rod-like bacterium that resides in food including fruits oh, poison apple like apples and it causes meningitis confusion and stupor to even to the point of giving you a coma.
1: Oh, see I I didn't really want to brag but that is why I guess no White.
0: Yes. And it says, even a kiss can actually help you get out of a coma because there was this woman who was in a coma, and the husband, and she was not coming out of the coma and the, and not it wasn't until the husband said, "Please wake up and give me a kiss." She actually woke up. So your true love's kiss can get you out of a coma. So snow white right. Hawk, ergo propter, Hawk. Exact, <laughs> Oh, my favorite word. Z. How about oculocutaneous
1: albinism? Oculocutaneous. I think this is when you see the world through the lens of a white person. <laughs> and, that's, and so, so that would be oculus, okay, albin, albinism. Uh, ooh, uh, uh, could that be. I can't even think. I don't know. I need more clues. Well,
0: oculocutaneous albinism is a disorder where there's little or no production of the pigment melanin. So your skin. Snow white again. Is white as snow. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Not doing very well. I think I'm going to get this next one though. How many more? Okay.
1: How many more do I have? I think we have two more. All right two more I've got two I've got a chance I, I feel it.
0: I'm feeling it you could get this one aqua you ready aqua genetic euticaria that's the little mermaid <laughs>
1: why <laughs> aqua genetic because it's she's in the water and she has you she everyone knew she had
0: euticaria well it, you're close with the water guests so you're close, but uh aquagenetic euticaria is a rare disorder that causes the skin to break out in itchy and painful wider red hives, and it can break down your body and it and and basically quote melt if you get in contact with water,
1: even your own sweat. The witches, what witch melted in the water? Witches, witches, witches. Wizard
0: of Oz, baby, wizard of oz of wizard of oz as a fairy tale it's a type of a fairy tale
1: okay all right wizard a wizard of Oz. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna get this next one there's no
0: question <laughs> okay this I, this is the last one so you better get this one oi, oi, oi. and this is the easiest one because it's the most modern okay that example.
1: that sets me up because if i don't get the easiest one that's a really bad thing to say say that say that only the smartest people get this one
0: only the smartest people get this one. Okay. And it's a little stretch too because it's not really a disease or anything like that. So the tonal or the mirror. Say what? The tonal. That's the disease? It's not a disease, I said. It's a, it's a thing.
1: Well, I, I need a context. What do you mean by a thing?
0: It's a product. The tonal. The tonal is the thing people buy and they put it up on the wall of their room and you can ask it Any question, you can get the internet on it and you can get any answers to anything. It can help you with your
1: workouts. That's just another mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? That's an early day Siri or early day Alexa. Exactly. That's how Amazon got the idea for Alexa.
0: And you got it right. I told you you would get it right. Well,
1: yeah, I needed, but I was like hard because I was like thinking about all of these maladies and then I had to switch to a modern day product. But I have seen those actually when I was at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, both years, this past year and the year before, I saw a lot of smart mirrors that would tell you like optimal ways to apply your makeup and whether you have a skin disorder and it's the beginning of the end. I'm like, I have enough judgment when I see my own self in the mirror. I don't need someone externally telling me things. But I have an idea for a fairy tale and you gave me this idea because you suggested that we do new fairy tales i had come up with this idea for a fairy tale now bear in mind the fairy tale needs to be written around it but the idea of it is is kind of the the meta and then we can maybe create a fairy tale so we'll give a challenge to whichever listener comes up with a fairy tale around the following idea unless you say it's a dumb idea (laughs) okay In the last five minutes of our awareness of humans, maybe it's right before we die or right before we lose that last part of whatever we have before we get dementia, but it's identified in some way, we hear a quick confession from everyone who has ever loved us.
0: That could be more of a legend, I think, than a fairy tale.
1: So should we do it? Should we do something about the legend?
0: Wouldn't that be a fun project to do?
1: Yeah, let's let's do, let's write a legend and we will use any input from listeners or listeners can write a legend because I'm sure that there'll be better people creating this stuff than us, right? <laughs> On that. And every, you hear this confession and it's, there's nothing you can do with it, but it's your last talk about mindfulness in the moment. It's the last thought you have before you have thoughts that are not like yours or you have no more thoughts. All right. Are you ready for the sort of fact? I am ready. A study compiled All sorts of fairy tales to come up with one lesson. And what they came up with was really interesting. They came up with how to understand the benefit of the doubt. TPU found that 78% of the people thought that the person who benefited when they gave the benefit of the doubt was the person. But the truth was that the most. Most of the benefit was to the person who actually gave the benefit of the doubt. That's the sort of fact for today's TPU experience. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One. You can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity-bitten conversations, subscribe to Apply Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Apply Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the tribe of the curious, go to applycuriositylab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.